0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the show. Feeling well? Just Ralph here. We got yet another Lloydless EP on our hands. Uh, you might have already noticed uh, some some urban ambiance. That's because I'm doing something of a of a sequel to a Patreon episode I recorded uh, during Lloyd's summer hiatus uh, a few months ago where I came here to uh, to Maria Hernandez Park in uh, the heart of uh, shithole Bushwick. Uh, a man has already walked past me, that's why I, uh, I sheepishly paused uh, just then uh, to invite a bit of novelty into the recording. Uh, I remember then I recorded one by myself statically in my apartment and then uh, I decided uh, let's shake things up. Let's take it to the park. So I'm here again. I am sitting in the main sort of square. This this little uh, circular center courtyard here in the park. Uh, the wind is blowing. It was uh, started out a pretty chilly day today. Uh, it's been in the uh, high fifties, low sixties, which which feels cold. Um, but the sun is out, and right around here is where we usually see a lot of uh, a lot of the skateboarders in the park. Skateboarders of, of all ages ranges from from high schoolers to men who are really too old, even older than me, even older than Lloyd Howell. Um, and to that point, Lloyd is uh, the reason he couldn't make it today. I, I can't really blame him. Because he did say, you know, he's, he's slammed with work today, he can't do it, so, you know, that sounds like it's his fault, but also, we're already a couple days late, um, and I didn't bother to ask him to record Monday or Tuesday. Um, so it is, it's, it's, it's mutually our fault, it's my fault too. Um, and as always, uh, really even when it seems to be unmistakably Lloyd's fault, really it's my fault. Uh, Because I should know better and I should be prepared Um, But I wasn't and often am not You know when it comes to the the scheduling or I suppose you would even call it the producing of the podcast I've been slacking and I apologize though. I will say in my defense that uh, you know Lloyd He does he does try to record when he can uh, and when he does uh, assuming he isn't being swarmed by his fucking dogs and that his fucking internet connection is uh, sound you know he's good he's game it's great but um what was uh... there was that uh... there was that term they were trying to make happen on college campuses a few years ago enthusiastic consent uh... that it's not enough to have uh, consent from someone you have to have enthusiastic consent meaning that uh, they're not just uh, submitting to your whims, I suppose, but that they, they actively am um, on the same page and want to engage in, in that case, uh, the sexual act. Or here, podcasting. It's, it's, it's hard to do this, to record a podcast on a bi-weekly basis with someone who is in another state when you don't have their enthusiastic consent. <laughs> if it feels even a little bit like you're doing it against their will um it's a challenge but of course it's not really against his will it's just against his his capability uh i don't know what his uh computer job is demanding of him these days but i know he would be recording the podcast if he could because in a way i'm more practically devoted to the podcast uh i will be the one who delivers on more of a schedule and has more of an eye towards some semblance of uh quality control I'm speaking relatively um, you know in, in comparison to him um, but he has kind of more of, a, of an emotional devotion to the podcast uh, not to the end of making it uh, good or anything like that but just doing it having it in his life. Um, he's, he's spoken to this himself on the podcast. This is kind of his in a way it's his connection to his old life and it's really the only thing in his life beyond his tweets which are such thin gruel uh, that feels like he's, he's being uh, creatively engaged, you know, that he feels like he's making something uh, for himself. Uh, he's expressing himself uh, through the podcast and, and through nothing else really, again, beyond his posts, um, which I imagine do not suffice, um, but he couldn't make it. So I'm here today. Uh, there's usually a couple of skateboarders around when I'm here, but we are in the middle of a work workday uh, right now. There's just one uh, young, younger girl practicing, uh, doing a kick flick, or kick flip, or something rudimentary like that. Uh, I, I, I don't know where I stand on skateboarders because there's a part of me that wants to be supportive, that wants to be like, "Yeah, you, you, you go, man. Eat my shorts, Bart Simpson, Coolio." Uh, but then there's also a part of me that's like, "Get the fuck out of here, losers!" You know, because like even if someone is an accomplished skateboarder, and if you come to this or any given park, they're very rarely accomplished skateboarders. They're usually someone who's, uh, you know, tripping over themselves mm. half the time. It's like too loud. It's not. It's not cool enough for how loud it is. I think is is my beef with it is is why I feel at best ambivalent about it because like take like riding a motorcycle which I also find annoying and uncool but like at least when you're doing that you're like mounting a death trap you know a a a death defying machine um and I suppose you can get seriously hurt on a skateboard of course but you know just just sort of uh, skating around this circle here at the park I mean no one's no one's truly risking neck injury and if they are it doesn't seem that way and and so the loud clacking I just find it to be uh, disturbing the peace with little reward uh, to to any viewers the other the other park denizens and and conceptually so I can't quite get down with it 100% no respect no disrespect to uh, to Tony Hawk or Lil Wayne um, there was, however, this, uh, this, this pretty neat uh, video. I've spoken to before about how uh, the director, Werner Herzog, um, who was always a hero of mine, uh, has, in his old age, um, allowed himself to become a cuddly meme and uh, parody of himself. You know, he's, he's lent his voice to all sorts of uh, memeable normie shit. I believe he appeared... Uh, on Parks and Recreation, once um, he, of course, recently is in the fucking Star Wars show, The Mandalorian. Uh, he he actually he uh, I believe he's he's lent his voice to The Simpsons. He also he also lent his voice to actually uh, uh, what I seem to remember was a pretty excellent episode of The Boondocks, where he plays a documentary uh, filmmaker, um, sort of uh, taking stock of the of you know that community's reaction to um, the uh, the election of Obama. The episode—it's it, kind of amazing because the episode is like highly skeptical of Obama, and it came out right after he was elected. So, so kudos to them. I don't—I don't remember the exact content of the episode, but Herzog is in it, and hes, he's quite funny. Uh, but anyway, like he's—he's he's submitted to all sorts of viral videos of a fashion and and things like that, and. Sort of paycheck roles, which hey, you know, God bless. The, the only reason it bothers me, I suppose, is that because it is that it's it's kind of uh, seeped into his filmmaking. Um, the last few films of his that I've seen were not good. I guess the last one I remember is uh, "Lo and Behold." I forget what the subtitle is, but it was this documentary he made about the internet. Um, and it's it's basically just this procession of, of technology obsessed uh, curios that he encounters. Uh, most infamously, he has an interview with Elon Musk, um, in which he kind of just takes Elon Musk completely at face value, doesn't doesn't uh, question him, doesn't uh, you know, doesn't defy him in any way. Just completely buys into his myth. Uh, certainly isn't confrontational in any way, and, and really the interview with Musk is just a, a setup for this punchline in which he, you know, he basically, uh, on camera, says he'll he'll volunteer for for the SpaceX mission to Mars that he'll he'll go with his movie camera to Mars, and he doesn't care if he if he comes back, you know, just sort of typical tongue-in-cheek Herzog self-mythologizing, which again at this point is a bit pat. Um, and that documentary is not good at all. And like, it, 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 like even like involves like fucking (laughs) just like trash stock footage and shit like that. Uh, like, I guess, you know, there's, there's little Herzogian moments he teases out here and there talking to these abject nerds. Uh, but for the most part, it's like barely a movie and is, it just, just depends so much on reams and reams of him doing the Herzog voiceover thing. Uh, but anyway I bring that up because there was a video I saw semi recently I don't know what the why or why it was made or uh, what its origin was exactly but it was Herzog talking to uh, this like kind of young person early early 20s and he's he's reacting to like skateboard footage Um, and he ended up saying something pretty interesting about how You know, I'm not going to attempt the fucking uh, voice, the accent, but that, you know, they're they're constantly failing, constantly falling over, um, but getting back up again, and he uh, he thought that was admirable, and I suppose that is admirable uh, because on the one hand, I'm I'm miffed by the underwhelming spectacle and noise pollution of the skateboarding skateboarders. Uh, but the fact that they're drawing attention to themselves uh, drawing attention to their mistakes their their recurring failure uh, Is admirable, you know, they're not they're not presenting them best sel- their best selves We are witnessing works in progress, but then I suppose what other choice do they have? Uh, you got to practice somewhere But I'm sitting here Maria Hernandez Park It is about 3 o'clock, 3.30. Not terribly populated. Um, I am on a little bit of Adderall. I I reckon I'm on about 7 milligrams. Adderall has never really been a part of my life. Uh, This past month, someone has been gifting me uh, tablets here and there, so... Over the past uh, three weeks, I, 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 I take it about two or three times a week uh, over the past three weeks, roughly. Um, but prior to that, uh, I think the last time I even had Adderall was maybe five years ago, and I've only had it a couple times in my life. Um, I it, I wasn't one of those people who uh, took it to really uh, hit the books and pull all-nighters in college. I had it like once in college and it was, uh, it was purely recreational in lieu of cocaine and, uh, took it with a lot of, uh, a lot of alcohol. And I remember having a, a, a particularly devastating, um, hangover slash down. But after that, uh, I remember I had it like one time in like 2014 and I was like truly, uh, truly, uh yoked off of it and started writing something that never became anything of course classic um, and then once more I think I was hosting uh, I used to host 4th uh, of July parties uh, at my old apartment in Bedstuy, where I had roof access and late into that night the guy uh, this guy Justin who used to sell me uh, the Kalanapin um, you guys may remember the oft-mentioned uh, Halloween party from some years ago that uh, Lloyd and Dale were at where I uh, made a, an embarrassing ass of myself uh, having taken like six tablets of Kalanapin I don't know how many milligrams that was but it was it was an ungodly amount uh, whilst drinking uh, and I blacked out and alienated everyone at the party and um, you know I won't rehash all the details but that happened um but anyway this guy uh, he had the pills, and I remember uh, we ended up snorting some Adderall. When I was like, I, I was like barely—I remember like barely being able to even physically do it because I was so atrophied by drink. And he was like, "Come on, man, haha." He was like kind of amused by it. And I just remember like the the rolled up dollar bill getting like too damp for it to really work, and and it was a process. But I I, I got I got back up on my feet, you know. I, I ingested the drug, and I'm sure I had a. Uh, A wonderful rest of the night Uh, but it was never anything I took on a consistent basis uh, only a couple times ever Uh, but I've been taking like 5 to 15 milligrams a couple days a week last few weeks uh, in the morning uh, with the stated intent of getting stuff done Uh, the first week I had a freelance project video editing uh, that I actually did get done uh, with the with the aid of Adderall not that I really needed it it wasn't it wasn't an unusually uh, ambitious or time-consuming product but or project but um but I did and I remember it was a feeling of uh, like oh I can see why people get hooked on this shit like I remember I was sitting at my computer and it was midnight, and I was like, hey, I feel fine. I can keep going. You know, I don't feel weird or bad or, uh, at all. Uh, c- c- certainly not tired. Um, and I haven't been experiencing uh, any bad come downs from it at all. No come down. Uh, you know, even even when I have uh, a few drinks at night, um, you know, taking it in the morning or the afternoon. Haven't been having trouble sleeping. Um... Hasn't been uh, disrupting my uh, chemistry in any noticeable way, Um, but yeah. Beyond that project, I I, I've been taking it that I don't get anything done. For literally months, I've been entertaining the idea of finally putting together um, a budget for a new film project, Um, and I haven't done it. I I just it's. just haven't felt like it, even on the Adderall. Cause like the, the Adderall is like a current, you know, that's like pushing you in a direction and whatever you like focus on first, you will focus on it, you know? And I've just been, I've just been like, yeah, let's, let's, you know, just like forcibly uh, uh, refracting the current or, or, or edging it over and focusing it onto something that does not ma- matter or onto simply doing nothing um it actually kind of reminds me of uh i remember i i saw i i like the writer the crime novelist uh elmore leonard i went through a phase in my early 20s of reading a few of his books uh and i remember seeing some quote from him somewhere it was like one of his rules for writing and it was one that i uh, internalized that i've actually found quite effective um one working on Uh, a long-form writing project or or just anything uh, that I care about uh, in which he says uh, don't don't have a drop of coffee uh, until you've written a word Um, and that checks out because if you drink the coffee if you start drinking the coffee before you really get to doing the work uh, you know you'll be energized you'll get distracted you'll start uh, doing some other shit Whereas if you already sort of commit to the writing, make some kind of dent, however small, and sort of enter that mode, initially, uh, the coffee, the caffeine, will just sort of energize you within that mode. And you will uh, continue with more energy and enthusiasm uh, in that direction. And um, you have the same principle with, uh, with Adderall. Uh, I reckon, uh, but I haven't been doing that. I still have a little bit left. I still have half of a pill. Um, I've been snorting it, by the way, uh, that perhaps I will snort in the morrow and finally put a dent in that project. Uh, I've been saying this on, on a daily basis. I just really, it's, it's just not my strength. Like, I don't fucking know what the budget is gonna be or should be. Um, or how it should be broken down and represented in the budget. I know so few things. I know so few things. I was thinking about that on the walk over here. There are so, there are so, there are so many like obvious foundational things in life that I'm just a fucking putz at. Like I have, like I have, uh, like I have a natural, I've like I've had a natural adeptness at a few things that i have honed um and and nurtured and worked on but i've basically just coasted on those things my entire life and uh and uh as an adult so many things seem seem clueless to me um and it's like i've made a feature film for for very little money and uh you know we can we can argue about its uh its quality uh But it is a film, and it's not a disaster. Um, And yet, uh, like, that was done for such an anemic budget that it sort of uh, handicapped its future. So I'm trying to make something on a bigger scale if I can manage it. Um, But then there's that tension of, like, well, if I do it on a bigger scale, the bigger the scale, um, the higher the probability that it will have some kind of afterlife and people will see it. Um, It will find some kind of home and audience. Uh, But of course, the bigger the budget, the harder it will fucking be to accrue that budget. So there's that tension. It's like, well, all right, what do I want to commit to? Um, what, What can I feasibly accomplish while still taking it to that next level? And I'm not really sure because with the first movie, I basically pulled a number out of my ass, which ended up just being however much I can get from the one financier I looked into having. And I completely reverse engineered the budget. It's like, all right, this is the amount. How do we accomplish these things with that? And if it can't exactly be these things, maybe I change a few things. Um, and I don't want to do that again. That's that's no real way to do it. Um, you know, at least not if you're trying to make something that again has a life in the real world. That is seen by any real constituency of, of people um, and so I'm a little clueless you know the the truth is I've never truly worked in the film industry and um, I've kind of uh, given up on pretending that I will or could which is not to say that I've given up on making films um, I've just come to the I think correct realization that if I am going to create my art if I am going to create films uh, this is true of anyone um, who is not someone's fucking niece or nephew or who isn't already established uh, I'm going to have to forge some kind of novel path Uh, you know it's not gonna be through fucking whatever channels it's not gonna be through fucking mailing my script to Netflix or some delusional fucking bullshit like that it's gonna be making it some way truly authentically independently um and again like uh, carving some novel path figuring it out um i don't know what that would be but something analogous to what people are doing with uh you know uh i guess like patreon and and substack and things like that but of course it feels silly to compare filmmaking to that because it's it's so much grander and more expensive and if it and if it isn't grander and more expensive well then I'm just back to square one the thing I'm making Um, it doesn't have uh, first and foremost most importantly name talent that was what I learned um, from making my first film was that um, I mean whatever I would have made it regardless Uh, you know I wouldn't have been able to afford it regardless but you know, if you're if you're making something, especially if it's not a horror movie, because you can find like, or at least at the time, things have probably changed drastically, even just in the three or four years since I was attempting to somehow shop around my movie. But like a lot of like uh, like DTV and like uh, sort of like fourth and fifth tier like two bs streaming services they will like host um, just like a fucking vast uh, closet of like of like trash horror movies because I guess like horror is a a sort of evergreen genre that a certain constituency of people are are in the market to see like you can sell horror on its being horror whereas if you're making something that is uh, a different genre or not necessarily a genre film at all uh, you can't do that uh, Who watches those all those horror movies? I have no idea uh, Who even uh, figures out how to access them? I have no idea, but but they are there um, But if you're making something that is not that uh, And obviously not something that is or is aping uh, an existing franchise or or piece of intellectual property like the only chance you have, really you have no chance of being fucking distributed. I feel embarrassed to even say that word because it feels like such a fucking uh, distant, unrealistic dream. But like to to get distributed or, or find a home on a streaming service or anything, uh, the only thing that's going to open doors for you uh, is having name talent. Um, and that doesn't have to be fucking Tom Cruise. Uh, but you know, the third lead or the fourth lead on some fucking streaming service or something like that can make a big difference or if you get like someone uh you know washed up like eric roberts you know you you give them like you know you, you you like shoot them in like two days some role you you probably you've you've probably noticed this in in um a lot of uh independent films or sort of underserved films where uh, you'll have like an actor of that caliber. I actually seem to, I I think there's like some film that recently came out or is coming out that's going like straight to streaming that will be completely ignored uh, about Meyer Lansky, Meyer Lansky? Meyer Lansky called Lansky. And I believe Harvey Keitel plays like the old imprisoned Meyer Lansky Um, but judging by the trailer he's just sort of like this structuring device where it's like you know kind of like uh, copying the Irishman it's like he's at the end of his life and the story is uh, structured through his recollections and so like that that like smacks of like all right, we have Harvey Keitel you know uh, hardly an actor at the peak of his relevance but you know still a name that can open doors Let's give him this role where he's in one location. Uh, He is very comfortably sitting down for all of it. And we can basically shoot him out in two or three days. And then his last name is the biggest name on the poster. His face is the biggest face on the poster. And he's all over the trailer. And that's basically the trick you do. Um, So something like that. Or you know, one of your leads, or a substantial part, is someone who is, uh, if not even on that level, someone who's kind of on, on the up and up, who has a little bit of um, cultural currency, because otherwise, uh, what, you know, why should they do it? Like maybe you have like a concept that is so kind of novel and trendy that that's an asset in and of itself. That's how I tried to um, pitch my movie once it was finished. But even that's you know they don't fucking give a shit. It's uh, it, yeah, like you need the name talent because like why else would it like you know why else would it seem to be something that has like any kind of financial potential uh, otherwise? Um, and you can argue well you know if you if they devoted the resources to it, um, maybe it would it would catch someone's eye based purely off of its concept or the way it looks and maybe it would have but. Uh, why should they take that risk? Like, that's just kind of my my realist understanding of that. And, um, you know, so keeping all that in mind, trying to do this again, if ever I can, it's going to either be... Well, what I'm aiming for is like a combination of both those impulses. One, the having a big enough budget that I can't attract someone like that and uh and two sort of improvising some some kind of other way of doing it because uh the old ways of doing it uh, they've become so hostile to anything small anything original it's completely the it's the model is completely ossified and so if you're if you're trying to do interesting personal work uh, you know you're you're gonna have to do it on at least a relatively very small scale And I think in terms of bringing it to the world, you're going to have to get creative. But again, I have no ideas in that regard. So I don't really know what I'm fucking talking about. Um, For the duration of my speaking here, uh, there's been a man sort of uh, practicing his karate in the courtyard directly across from me, all the way on the other side. Just uh, Just sort of doing some moves. That's something I can't relate to at all. Like, just just independently making a spectacle of yourself like that. I I just do not get it. But maybe it would make more sense if I uh, got into that kind of thing. But anyway, Adderall. uh, I had a weird start to my week. And wasted being on Adderall because uh, I woke up Monday morning and could not for the life of me find my keys. And... I still haven't found them uh and i mean i i I woke up uh i had some coffee you know i did this or that then i took the adderall and only then in sort of the latter half of the morning did i realize i could not find my keys and i panicked a little bit and i absolutely scoured my apartment which is not a terribly big apartment um, and it's a pretty spare apartment. There's not a lot of nook, nooks and crannies in which keys may slip into and become lost um, So I was, I was confounded and it's and it's still a mystery that confounds and haunts me. I mean, I, I took apart my bed um, I hang my pants. So I thought maybe did I accidentally keep them in my pants? I checked all the pants, but like maybe did they fall out of the pair of pants and get lost somewhere and sort of the the mess at the bottom of my closet I did that I I truly looked everywhere Um, and it's it's bizarre because the day before I made a trip near the end of the day at around 6.30 I went out to the store came back got into my apartment my apartment door always locks behind itself we have it set to do that Um, and even if it So how did I get in? Like, I I was in my apartment when I realized my keys were gone. And I can't get in without my keys, so how the fuck did I do that? Uh, And even if it wasn't set to lock behind itself, there's no chance that I would ever... Like, I would take rituals to take out my keys and open the door. Like, I wouldn't just assume it was unlocked. Um, I would feel for my keys, which I always do. Uh, habitually, like I'm someone who's like habitually catch, uh, checking phone wallet keys, like always kind of uh, absent-mindedly, uh, impulsively, you know, uh, feeling around in my pants, like, okay, I'm good. So like, there's no way I wouldn't have noticed that. So it would seem to mean that I, I lost them in the apartment, or through some <laughs> freak occurrence, lost them uh, over the duration of the trip from unlocking my door and entering my apartment and being in my apartment. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like I'm like I'm willing to admit I made a stupid mistake, but I just have no idea how Like where was the room for me to even make a mistake? I'm confounded I don't know how it happened and it was driving me fucking crazy And it was a waste of fucking Adderall because the Adderall was just powering me to scour my apartment And I didn't end up getting anything done And I still haven't found them. I uh, copied uh, my roommates keys uh, so I currently don't have a key to lock my bedroom. I live with two roommates, and we have, in addition to the building, an apartment key, uh, a key for our individual rooms. Uh, and uh, I don't have that, so I guess, uh, you know, the stoner, the 23-year-old stoner layabout who lives with me may, in her, her her wicked marijuana haze, amble into my room one night and and eat one of my gadgets, mistaking it for a, a stoner's treat. Uh, and then there's my other roommate who's this Georgian guy, Georgia the country, not the state, who's uh, who's about my age, maybe a year or two older, and he's chill. I borrowed his keys to copy them. Uh, and I don't remember what other keys I had on the keychain because it felt like a quite a few more keys, but I can't remember what they were, and uh, I haven't needed them yet. Uh, I think I may have had uh, the key, uh, perhaps now an old key, uh, to my father's house in Long Island, so... Sorry, Dad. I hope, uh, I hope someone in Bushwick doesn't uh, find my keys, my anonymous keys, and then somehow deduce that, uh, that they are mine, know who I am. Somehow ascertain your address, and then and then come in in the night. Take the take the LIRR to uh, to Long Island and and uh, ramsack your home. I hope I hope that doesn't happen. The skateboarders have left, and I am here coming down from my moderate amount of Adderall. I can't see why people get hooked on it. I know uh, I know a couple people uh, frequent. Guest of the podcast Rosellen on her last appearance, also a Lloydless episode, uh, spoke to that. Spoke to her experience with uh, being prescribed it, um, but I also have a friend who uh, who went through a stint of uh, of using it to get a lot of work done ahead of this big uh, project he was working on, uh, and he ended up having a pretty bad experience, uh, just like not sleeping you know, for days on end, and, and whatnot. So I can see how someone reaches that place. Uh, it definitely is a, uh, it's a life hack. I'm gonna take a sip of my uh, my coffee here. So what else have I been up to? Lost my keys, which put me in a funk. I, uh, I've i been watching a lot of movies, I mean I always do, but um, this is the second October in a row in which I just have this sort of uh, self-imposed thing where I'm committed to watching 31 horror movies within the month of October, uh, which probably sounds corny but it's fun, I enjoy it. I find I enjoy my movie watching more when I uh, have some kind of purpose or regiment it in some way, you know. If I go through, like I remember, I went through a string of I'm going to watch Godard in the '80s, you know, and that was a lot of fun. Or, or like you know, you pick a filmmaker and you you know you watch a bunch of theirs, or you pick some kind of theme or genre. Um, and so I've been doing that. Not not a horror film a day, but 31 within the month of October. So that gives me uh, a little bit of leeway. But then, of course, if I if I skip a day, I have to make it up. And right now, today is October 27th, and I have 23 films logged. So I'm going to have to double or triple up or more a couple days, depending on how my viewing goes. Um, but it's enjoyable, and of course, I have a letterboxd. If you guys are on there, you can follow me. I write reviews of everything I watch, which is something I started doing in late 2019, Uh Just as a way, I mean, I have barely any followers on there. I average uh, zero to two likes on any given review, uh, some of which are embarrassingly uh, long and involved. Um, But I do it just because, um, I don't know, like I want to force myself to think about and draw some kind of conclusion about what I'm watching. Uh, Because I suppose I think that is something that... uh, will enrich me in some way, uh, intellectually, and as an appreciator of film, and someone who seeks to make films. But also probably it's, it, it, uh, it runs the risk of, of convincing oneself that uh, the act of movie watching is in and of itself productive. Because it's like, hey, I'm crossing a movie off the watch list, gonna log that review, I'm doing a thing. And, of course, that is uh, that is a ridiculous way to conceive of it. It is, uh, it is entertainment, which doesn't mean it isn't uh, meaningful or spiritually enriching. But it ain't the same as doing a thing. It's certainly not the same as being productive, making a thing. And uh, in this day and age in which uh, so many of us have decimated our attention spans, it's... Uh, it's easy to convince oneself that that consumption can somehow be productive because the consumption isn't as ephemeral as, say, looking at t- uh, Twitter or a series of TikToks or just sort of idly producing the internet. It's like, hey, I sat down to watch this two-hour movie, uh, and I didn't even look at my phone that much. That has to count for something, right? And uh, it oughtn't count. For anything at least not to that end the end of being productive and somehow uh, taking charge of and navigating your life and accomplishing something but anyway that's what I've been doing um, it's it's been a nice mix of uh, shameful blind spots just just enormous classics that somehow I've never seen before I'm ashamed to admit I, I had previously never seen The Exorcist or uh, polanski's uh repulsion and the tenant uh which i watched of course they're they're fantastic you don't have to hear it from me um with a mixture of uh some lower rent stuff uh last year i became fans of a uh, fan of uh, the filmmakers uh lucio folci who's an italian horror director who's known for his uh Inventive and very gooey, gooey gruesome murder scenes Uh, He seems to have a fetish for eyeball trauma always always slicing open or or uh, skewering a person's eyeballs Um, His best movie that I've seen I've only seen a few but um, The Beyond is is probably the best that I've seen that was the last movie I watched uh, For my Shocktober viewings last year. I watched that on Halloween which is a great and gross movie and a greatly gross movie. I highly recommend it. But I also, that Shocktober, watched, uh, I believe it's called City of the Living Dead, which was really good. And uh, Zombie, aka Zombie Flesh Eaters, which is another one of his better known movies, which has an iconic scene um, that you can find on YouTube where a zombie, you know, an actor dressed as a zombie, is uh, underwater um and wrestles a a real live small shark and uh it's what it's what assholes like me call pure cinema for sure (laughs) it really is poetry in motion i mean it is incredible if you watch it and it has a fucking banging soundtrack but uh it, it will you can you can find the clip in isolation on youtube if you just search zombie shark fight something like that uh can't tell you how they filmed it i I seem to remember reading an article at some point that said like uh, it was really a a, a pretty harmless shark or something like that but even without that mortal threat just i don't i don't know how the how the actor playing the zombie would even be just given the way it's shot how he can be underwater for that long or whatever but i recommend that i recommend city of the living dead the beyond the films of lakiel fulci i watched a film of his last night called the new york ripper not my favorite of his. Uh, a woman does have her eyeball sliced and her nipple. Uh, it's a, it's about a serial killer who talks like a duck, who just like, like speaks like fucking Donald Duck, which is admirably zany. I do appreciate that and don't want to take touches like that for granted. Uh, but the thing with some of these Italian horror movies is that uh, the stuff that isn't like the pure cinema like gory poetry of of the zombies or or the killings or or the blood and guts the stuff around it can be if not tedious uninspired and um most of this movie um was just kind of like your sort of stock uh detective you know hunting down the killer played by some Mm -hmm. no-name not especially compelling because it's like you're not you're not watching it to be invested in the mystery like it's not that kind of movie like the plot is basically just a cloth, a clothes hanger for for the visuals for the for the for the aesthetic flights of fancy of the of the gruesome characters of the killing of the blood and the cuts as i said uh and this one had a less simpatico ratio than something like the beyond which is which is one uh, horror after another, um, but so I watched that, and um, I mentioned him alongside the Spanish filmmaker Jess Franco. Jess Franco, who um, basically pioneered his own genre called um, horrorotica, um, which is like kind of a combination of, you know, not not the very inventively gory and goopy killings of. Laquille Fulci just to compare them for whatever reason in this moment just because they were the two that I got into and they were you know contemporaneous I suppose um, but uh, this kind of combination of of like kind of dreamy uh, softcore sex scenes or not so <laughs> not so softcore but like erotic imagery um, existing alongside um horror and uh supernatural content and them kind of enmeshing in a way that is uh that is again it's 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 the tritest thing in the world to compare movies in general and any individual film to to dreams but his are especially dreamlike due in no small part to the fact that he was someone who would always work with impoverished um uh, budgets and uh many of his films even some of his better films have uh, have uh, passages that are kind of boring, but that can be good and productive because um, you know you don't want to have such a you don't want to have such a conservative understanding of what good or bad is, and and quality can be the enemy in a lot of cases, or, or quality is the wrong word, but tastefulness, you know, or craftsmanship. And, um, you know, in his movies, um, you know, not every actor is, is excellent. He's not exactly going for naturalism. Um, and, um, you know, you learn to appreciate stuff like uh, his, uh, his greatest muse was actually his, uh, his life partner, his wife. Uh, or, I don't know if they ever got married, but his partner, Lena Romain who was a, a very attractive young woman uh, with uh, with some old biddies. And uh, she was very game and genuinely a good actor and a compelling screen presence. But she was just, like, game to, to like, roll around in the mud with him. And the thing with him is that, like, some of his uh, sex scenes are, like, genuinely um, erotic and aesthetically accomplished and, again, dreamlike. But But other ones, he just sort of very frankly, like, will zoom in and out of a woman's pussy in just an entirely gynecological fashion, not erotic, a little off-putting, but you learn to appreciate the good and the bad, like, once you get on the man's wavelength and understand who he is, at least in the better films, because he's made a lot of films, I haven't seen that many of them, but I understand some of them are, are just kind of quite bad, and there's not a lot to recommend of them, but the ones that more work, you get on the wavelength and and the the flaws cease to be flaws they they just become sort of a different part of a different shape of movie, you know and uh stuff like Lena Rame just sort of wandering naked around some villa he's borrowed and shot in for the umpteenth time for free is uh you learn to really appreciate that shit but of him i would recommend um female vampire starring lena rome uh and my other favorite of his is vampiros lesbos i'm actually currently wearing a vampiros lesbos uh, t-shirt um that has the the great actress uh or the very compelling screen presence, uh, Soledad Miranda, who's someone I really enjoyed. She was sort of his muse before he met Ramey. Um, she was in five of his films. She was also in um, She Killed in Ecstasy, which is a film. You've probably seen the iconic image of her just sort of sitting on a, on a couch nude with a spooked expression on her face. If you Google it, that'll be probably be the first thing to come up. Um, and you will recognize it probably, or there's a chance. Uh, some of the best eyes in cinema I would say Soledad Miranda Um, but she's on the t-shirt I'm wearing right now Uh, and that's another good one from old Jess Franco and um, uh, tonight I'm either gonna watch uh, this this sort of uh, this Chinese horror comedy called Chinese ghost story or I may watch another Franco joint the erotic Rites of Frankenstein which uh, involves a guy playing a version of Frankenstein that fucking just kind of wears jeans and a shirt, you know? So that's novel. That's, uh, that sounds like a fun twist. And what else am I trying to cross off my list before, uh, before Shocktober is through? I've sort of, I've I've narrowed it down to, uh, I want to rewatch Halloween. Very original, I know, but I'm probably going to save that for the day. Uh, I got Creature of the Black Lagoon, which I've actually never seen, which is the last of the, like, iconic universal horror monsters. Uh, and I recently watched and rewatched watched uh, all of those, not all of the universal horror films, but the ones that are, like, focused on the iconic monsters. Um, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, The Invisible Man, I guess if you want to count him. Um, and I mean, I love Universal horror movies. I love the aesthetics. Um, but like the only ones that are like truly great standalone movies are the are um the Frank are the um, are the Frankenstein films, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. I mean, Bride of Frankenstein is by far the best. Bride of Frankenstein is is one of my favorite films. It's a masterpiece. I've I've I've, I've, I've talked about it on the podcast before by James Whale. Um, who I do think is like kind of a great auteur although the Invisible Man was not that great but the other ones are are cool and they're worth watching but like they don't give you enough of the monster like even Dracula which like the first 15 minutes is as good as movies get like Bela Lugosi's presence, the atmosphere is is, uh, there's nothing like it it's iconic but then he's not in most of the rest of the movie and most of the rest of the movie is not terribly interesting Um, and I would say that's, that's also true of, of the Wolfman. Um, and the Invisible Man, I don't know. He's invisible. Like, what the fuck? What's funny about the Invisible Man, though, is just how often he is in the text of the film, you know, just dick out, butt naked, uh, doing his, his shenanigans and his murders. Though he is played compellingly by Cloud Rains, despite the fact that he is, uh, he is invisible. Um... But there are other universal horror films that I love um, that don't necessarily have an iconic monster. Like James Whale also directed uh, The Old Dark House, which is a great one, in which Boris Karloff plays uh, just kind of a weird guy in this uh, house that all of these, uh, these wayfaring strangers end up staying in uh, because there's a storm and whatnot, classic plot. Also, of course, uh, The Murders in the Rue Morgue, uh, starring Bella Lugosi, which, uh, spoiler alert, involves a killer monkey. And uh, you got a killer monkey. I'm already there. Add to that, Bella and the universal horror aesthetic. Buddy, you can do no wrong. So that was also great. And also Island of Lost Souls, which I believe technically counts as a universal horror film, which I watched recently for the first time. That was really cool. Sorry if that music is is picking up too much. Uh, but anyway, uh, I also wanted to watch the last Son of Frankenstein film, or the last Frankenstein film starring Boris Karloff. There were several more, but uh, Son of Frankenstein, in which uh, Bella also stars as Igor, and that's supposed to be a good one. Uh, and I remember someone saying on a podcast recently that that was like the last truly great universal horror film. Um... But yeah, so that's on the list too, along with a few others. We got a few more skateboarders out here doing their thing. But yeah, you know, this this time of year, I do love Halloween, I do love the autumn. It is one of those things though where it's like I do I do covet it so much and like covet the idea of it so much that I do find myself like having moments where I'm like, No, appreciate this more. Yes, the leaves, the brisk breeze. Uh, Halloween decorations, like try to, like like the, like, just this this complex I have, especially as I get older, where it's like fucking appreciate this, you know, be in the moment, uh, and like I was having this thought today. It's like something that I've I've spoken about on the pod, and think about often, where, I'm like I, I I can't shake the feeling that my youth has been dissatisfying, and now that it's over, now that I'm thirty. Uh, as I try to do things like as I try to stay in shape and dress well and do things and enrich myself through the things I read and watch and, and consume and 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 do, there's this feeling of like is it too late? Not to do anything, because it's certainly not too late to do anything but have I wasted too much time to lead any version of the of like the life narrative of my imagination, and that narrative is not anything specific or spectacular. It's not like fame and fortune, but like being a person I could approve of, someone who has led like a, a a satisfactorily meaningful life. Have I wasted too many crucial years already? And like. You know, like, getting dressed today, putting on some, like, some new clothes, some newish clothes. And then setting out, going to the park to record my podcast, absorbing the atmosphere, the autumn vibes. Especially at this time of year, because, like, the year is coming to a close. And it also, of course, always reminds me of the beginning of school. So it's like this kind of, like, dual sensation of the ending of a thing, but also reminding me... Of this this spirit of, of beginning again um, as a kid and as a young adult and like I, there's a part of me that wants to recapture that or wants to be like hey this is gonna be fun Halloween's coming up and then we got the autumn and then we have Christmas and New Year's like what are some fun and interesting things I can do how can I make the most of that how can I be the person who is a young person who is well-dressed who is doing? Who's trying to do cool things and meet cool people, and have experiences? As insufferably stupid as that sounds, I don't. I don't think it that hard, <laughs> or that uh, expressly. But that, of course, is is the root, a version of that. Um, that is it at its base. Um, however you want to put it, and I think is it a little like uh, is it is it silly for me to try and do that? And of course the answer is no, but it's this idea of, like, the first few chapters feel like they were poorly written, and with that as my basis, how can I possibly claim the rest? How can I navigate the rest to mix my metaphors to an end that is satisfactory? before I am in the ground but you know that's just that's just depression and anxiety talking but uh, anyway folks uh, I gotta go home and upload this episode for more content we're, we're a couple days late every now and then but we always deliver head on over to patreon.com feelingwell for just five dollars a month you get double the content and access to our sizable archive Follow the podcast on Twitter at Feeling Well Pod. Follow me at Hey Ralph Man. Follow Lloyd at Void Gardner here. You want to get some, some more of this ambiance, some of this music? And uh, until next time, go with God. Bye bye.